Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We are delighted that you have joined us for worship on this All Saints Sunday, this Memorial Sunday. I invite you to join in our call to worship. Sing to the Lord a new song. Let all the faithful praise the Lord. For our ancestors, whose stories we now call holy. For the noble band of prophets. For the glorious company of the apostles. For the sinners and the saints of every age. For all these and more, thanks be to God. that we often fall short of Jesus' call to follow him, that we often fail to love God with our whole being or share that love with our neighbors or even to love ourselves. Let us come before God with open, honest hearts and confess our sin together. Let us pray. Eternal God, in every age you have raised up your people to live and die in faith. 
We confess that we are indifferent to your will. You call us to proclaim your name, but we are silent. You call us to do what is just, but we are idle. You call us to live faithfully, but we are afraid. In your mercy, forgive us. Give us courage to follow in your way, joining with those from ages past who have served you with faith, hope, and love, that we may inherit your kingdom. the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ, and Christ died for us. Christ was raised for us. Christ reigns in power for us, and Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, and a new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Since we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, let us be agents of that reconciliation in this world. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Greet one another with a sign of Christ's peace.
friends, welcome once again to worship on this Lord's Day, this All Saints Sunday. Jesus assures us that where two or three are gathered, surely he is in our midst, and so surely the Lord is in this place. Whether you are a first-time visitor or a long-time member, you have made us better today by being with us. We thank you for that, and we hope that everyone who comes through our doors is either challenged or comforted, whichever you are most in need of during your time with us. If you have not already done so, I invite you to find those maroon pew pads that are on the ends of the pews and sign your name and pass them down and back again. If you see the name of someone that is not familiar to you, change that before you go home today so that all might feel welcome here. There are a number of announcements listed in your bulletin. I invite you to take that home with you and read through it to find ways that you can be involved in the ministry and mission of this church. For now, I simply want to remind you of three things. First, as it is the first Sunday of the month, we will have prayers for healing and wholeness during communion. So if you would like to receive prayers on behalf of yourself, someone that you know or the world, after you come forward and receive the elements, Beverly will be off to the side and she will be happy to pray with you. Also, since it's the first Sunday, this is also the Sunday that we collect a special offering for our food ministries. So if you would like to make a contribution toward our Thursday open table or some of the food that um, helps with our overnight shelter, please feel free to do that. You may use the yellow envelopes that are in your pews. And finally, I need to remind you of what you hopefully already know, is that we are in the midst of our stewardship series, Come to the Table. Many of you have done that already by attending a fall fellowship gathering, and I thank you for that. I hope that all of you will come to the table again on November 17th, our Pledge Dedication Sunday. Now, I also hope that by now you have received our stewardship materials in the mail. It's a booklet that looks like this, and a letter accompanies it, and a pledge card. If you haven't gotten it, it should arrive any day now. If you simply cannot wait on the mail, there are extras in the back, and we are happy to send you home with some of them. Here's what else is important for you to know as we are thinking about the finances of our church and what it means to be good stewards. Your church staff and officers, we are doing everything we can to use the commitments that you have made to the church in good and faithful and responsible ways. The truth of the matter is that ministry does take money, especially here in New York City, and that's okay. It's okay because it's worth it. The work that we are able to do together is worth the investment. And for those of you who have been contributing to that investment, we thank you. For those that are considering it for the first time, we thank you. So we do need you to prayerfully consider your pledge. I want you to know that your session, 100% of them have pledged in advance. That is a statement about their confidence in this church. Even more, it is a statement of their confidence in the promise of God in this place. I can't tell you what to pledge yourself. That's a conversation for you and your family and God. But I hope that if you have not pledged before, you will do so this year. And if you have been pledging, I hope that you will carefully and prayerfully consider an increase. 
Anytime we give of our finances or ourselves, it is an act of faith. You will hear in the coming weeks how that will impact not only the life of this church, but I do believe your life as well. Thank you for giving that your consideration. And at this time, we turn now to the word of God. Pray with me. God of many names, you are the source of all light, and so may your light pour into us as we hear your word, and may we carry that light out into your world. In your name we pray. Amen. Our first reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 25, starting with verse 1. Listen to the word of God. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you, I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The palace of aliens is a city no more, that will never be rebuilt. Therefore strong peoples will glorify you, cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of clouds, the song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our Lord God. We have awaited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
invite you to be seated and I invite any other young folks that would like to join me up here, but it looks like all of the others are off running the marathon. So I'm glad that you are here today. I have a couple of questions for you, so just pretend no one is listening to you but me. What's one of your favorite things to eat? Dumplings. That's good. That's good. And what's one of your favorite things to drink? Water. So if you were to have a meal of dumplings and water, and you could share it with anyone in the whole wide world, who would you want to share it with? Your family. You are a good soul. So dumplings and water sounds like a pretty good meal. And sharing it with your family, I think that makes it even better because sometimes it's not just the food we eat, it's the people we eat it with that matters, right? Jesus seems to think that an awful lot whenever he talks about eating. And so today is All Saints Day. Um, That's what some churches call it. Sometimes we call it Memorial Sunday. And it's the day that we remember all of the people that we have loved or known um, that have died and that we miss. And so we give thanks to God for their lives. And we also admit that we ache a little bit when they're not with us. And so here's the thing about the communion table. And this is a reminder for us all because sometimes we come to this table and we're either so focused on getting the bread and dipping it in the cup just right, or we realize we've let go of the bread and it's now floating in the cup and that feels a little awkward, or we're just not sure exactly what to do, or we forget the words if we're the ones that happen to be standing behind the table. There's so much that goes on that sometimes what we forget is that this table is where we join with everyone in this room, but we also join with everyone that's ever stood up there or been served from it before. So people long before us, and we hope and we pray people long after us. That's a lot to ask of one table, but it's the Lord's table, so I think that it will work out. And we don't have dumplings today, but maybe after church. Thank you for coming up. I'm going to invite everyone to pray after me, so let us pray together. Dear God, God, thank you for loving us. us. Help us love you more. more. Amen. Thank you. Our New Testament lesson is from Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. Listen for the word of God. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. So on the one hand, we have Isaiah's vision of a rich feast, and on the other, we have Paul's memory of a simple but significant meal. We need them both, I think, on All Saints Day. The more tables, the better on a day like today. Now, sitting around one of those tables for quite some time now is St. Teresa of Avila, canonized by the Catholic Church. She is well known for her writings, and she was even named, after her death, she was named a doctor of the church. If you read her words, you will discover prayers that are heartfelt and insights into a life of faith that are poignant. My favorite story about her, though, is not told in her own voice. It's recorded in the journal of a companion. They were traveling to Granada to establish a convent there, and along the way they encountered a wide river, one that had risen well beyond its bank because of recent heavy rain. It was impossible for them to cross the river by carriage, so they continued on foot. Teresa slipped, however, and she was nearly carried away by the rushing water. When she finally reached the other side, she told her friend that she had seen the Lord looking down upon her as he saved her from a terrible death. And then she said, as if that were not enough, they had a conversation. Lord, she said, when will you stop placing obstacles in our path? Do not complain, the Lord said in return, for this is how I treat my friends. If this is how you treat your friends, St. Teresa replied back, perhaps that explains why you have so few. (laughs) To be a saint in the Catholic Church is an honor reserved for a very select number, those to whom miracles are attributed and veneration is directed. But to be a saint in our Reformed tradition, well, that is simply to be a person of faith as normal and everyday as you or me. That is why I can say with great certainty that joining St. Teresa around one of those heavenly tables is surely another doctor, the Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon. Dr. Cannon was my professor and Rebecca's at Union Presbyterian Seminary. She was the first African-American woman ordained in the Presbyterian Church. I have told you about her before, but I haven't told you this story. She was talking with our class one day about the ethical implications of calling someone an enemy. And she said, look. Jesus tells us that in his Father's house there are many rooms, many rooms, all kinds of rooms. And this is good news because I have a list of people that I want right down the hall from me. And I have another list of people that I hope will be placed on any floor but mine. Dr. Cannon died just over a year ago. 
but she always spoke the truth. She was never worried about acting too holy or sounding too pious, which is probably why her faith resonated with so many. After she laughed with us about her secret hopes for the seating chart of heaven, she suddenly, on a dime, became very serious. And I'm still not sure how she managed this, but she looked each one of us in the eye at the same time. And she said, we like to think of heaven as being with everyone we love. And that's okay. That is a very fine definition of heaven. But, she said, I am convinced that it is more than that. I am convinced that heaven is not about being with everyone you love. Heaven is having the ability to love everyone that you're with. I like to imagine that St. Teresa and Dr. Cannon have enjoyed more than a few good meals together by now. All Saints' Day is almost always bittersweet. It's a day when we give thanks for so many beloved lives. And it is also a day when we are faced with how much we still feel their loss. The prophet Isaiah, he was... <coughs> excuse me. The prophet Isaiah was no stranger to bittersweet days himself. A little bit of historical background for you. I, Rebecca read from Isaiah 25, chapters 24 through 27. They are considered to be a separate unit from the rest of the book, and it's often referred to all on its own as Isaiah's apocalypse. In other words, it's the prophet telling of a time when it seemed like the world was ending. That section begins this way. The Lord is about to lay waste the earth and make it desolate. He will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. The city will be broken down, every house shut up so that no one can enter. The earth will be broken, torn asunder and violently shaken. It will fall and it will not rise again. Now, almost all scholars agree that Isaiah is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians in the year 586 BCE. And that was a time when the world as they knew it was ending. I can't help but notice, though, especially on a day like today, how the prophet's words so vividly articulate the heartbreak of grief. So for just a moment, just a moment, forget that he is talking about a city. Those of you who have walked through the valley of the shadow of death with someone, when that journey comes to its inevitable conclusion, your whole world feels desolate, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like life itself is broken, torn and shaken? Whether he's talking about the end of the world as a whole people know it, or the end of the world as any one of us knows it, Isaiah's words capture us. Because you know what it feels like 
to have a lump stuck in your throat, or to have your heart sink into your stomach, Isaiah knows the grief you have experienced. Isaiah also knows that for people of faith, food is at the center of our story. Like we said last week, when scripture talks about food, it's about nutrition, but it's never just about nutrition. And that's why Isaiah reports that it is not only the city that's reduced to ruins, but the wine cellar too. The wine dries up, he writes, the vine languishes, all of the merry-hearted they sigh. The mirth of the timbrel is ceased, the noise of the jubilant has come to an end. But then, somehow, in the midst of all of that, the prophet in chapter 25, in today's reading, says, The Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. It is a menu so extravagant, it's not enough to tell us once. It's so good, it bears repeating. And after we're told what the people will eat, Isaiah takes it a step further still, and he tells us what God will eat. Because when people of faith gather at a table, God has a habit of showing up too. And at this feast, The people will fill themselves with mouthfuls of rich food and glasses of well-aged wine. And God will swallow up death forever. That is exactly the way that line in scripture reads. God will swallow up death forever. Even in our most desperate times, God sets the table with delicacies of every sort, ensures that our every need is met, and then God devours death. My friend Taylor, she comes from a good southern family, the kind where almost everyone she knows has two first names, and every supper takes at least two hours. A good number of years back, before Taylor herself had even come into being, her parents were preparing for a cross-country road trip. They were driving from Princeton, New Jersey, to California. The car was packed, the gas tank was full, the goodbyes were underway, when Taylor's grandmother, Mrs. Lewis, Mrs. Lewis, she came out of the house carrying one more box. She had spent most of the night cooking, preparing food for the journey. Now look here, she said, and she pulled out a loaf of homemade bread. And after the bread came some pimento cheese, so you can make some sandwiches, she said. After the cheese came fruit, and after the fruit came potato chips. After the potato chips came a whole jug of fresh brewed iced tea. After the tea came some fried green tomatoes, so you won't forget what home tastes like, she said. And Taylor's mother, she looked at her mother, and she was already a little bit homesick. She tried to find a way to say thank you, or so the story goes, when Mrs. Lewis said, Wait, 
Wait, here's the big thing. And she pulled out an entire 13-pound chicken, cut up and fried and ready to be eaten. Now I have heard this story a number of times. And never once has it included even a single detail about how much of that chicken was actually eaten. Or about how much grease ended up on the steering wheel. Or how many chicken bones were thrown from the window of a moving car. The story's finale is always, always the unveiling of this extravagant meal and the exclamation that accompanied it. Here's the big thing. Here is the big thing. On All Saints Day, I hope with all of my heart that we remember the heavenly banquet that God promised our loved ones and promises us one day, too, where the table is piled high with more than anything and everything a person could ever hunger for. But even more than that, I hope we will remember that the feast is possible only because God has swallowed up death forever. First John tells us that we love because God loved first. The prophet Isaiah tells us that we will feast because God feasted first. And so, of course... Of course, when the time comes for Jesus to tell his disciples some really important things, he gathers them around a table. The menu this time is simple. It's shared bread and a common cup. This is my body, he says. This is my blood. I have come so that you may have life and have life abundant. I do not give to you as the world gives. Here is the big thing. The really big thing is the word that both Isaiah and Paul use. Salvation. To be saved is to be rescued. To be saved is to know that nothing will ever get the best of you. That nothing will ever be able to beat you. To be saved is to trust that God's love is stronger than anything the world throws your way. It is to trust that when God's love takes hold of us, and when God's love takes hold of those we love, it never lets go. Not in life and not in death. One of my very favorite poems is by Joy Harjo. It's titled, Perhaps the World Ends Here, and I cannot help but hear echoes of Isaiah in the words. The world begins at a table, she writes. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table, so it has been since creation, and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corner. They scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instruction on what it means to be human. We make men at the table, we make women at the table. We tell stories, recall enemies, and encounter the ghosts of loved ones. 
Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around us. They laugh with us at our poor, falling-down selves as we put ourselves back together at the table. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror. It is a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on the table and prepared our parents for burial there. At this table, we sing with joy and with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the table while we are laughing and crying and eating until the very last sweet bite. So friends, when you come to this table in just a few minutes, remember, we feast because God feasted first. God swallowed up death forever. And that means that all of the names of all of the loved ones we hold so dear, they will meet you at that table. When you take that bite of bread and swallow that sip of wine or juice, trust this. This meal, it is everything we need for today. And at the very same time, it is but an appetizer of what is still to come. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I invite you to remain standing at this time and to join me in our affirmation of faith as printed in your bulletin. And so we say together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. This is the time when we give ourselves all that we are and all that we have to God. We do this in response to God's love. And so let us now offer our lives, gifts, and even abilities to God's church and the world.
Please be seated. The prophet Isaiah said, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. That those who have no money, come and eat. God will satisfy our souls with a rich feast, and we will bless the Lord as long as we live. This is not the table of this church or any church. It is Christ's table, and he invites all who thirst and hunger to come drink and eat. So come, you who thirst for meaning and hunger for hope, you who thirst for righteousness and hunger for justice, you who thirst for truth and hunger to be made whole. In this bread and cup, Jesus gives of himself to quench our thirst and satisfy our hunger, giving us strength to go out into the world as his faithful disciples. Whether you are young or old, whether you have been here often or not in a while, wherever you are on life's journey of repentance, of returning to God, Christ invites you to this table which he has prepared. So come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is not only our job, O God, but also our joy to give you thanks, for you have swallowed up death forever, making real the promise of resurrection and new life for all of your children. You have made room enough for all, stretching a banquet table wider than we can imagine, filling it with food and drink, and calling us to sit and feast, to marvel at your glory and delight in your love. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with the angels and archangels, all of the faithful of every time and place, who forever sing to the glory of your name. and everything in it and called it good. You made us in your image, called us by name, and claimed us your own. Even when we turned around, turned away, and turned your world upside down. Extending your grace over and over, you gave Abraham and Sarah as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. You led Moses and the Israelites out of the wilderness. You rescued Jonah from the belly of a fish. And you gave all your prophets the vision and the voice to beckon us toward a brighter day. And as if that were not enough, you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, who healed the sick, fed the hungry, welcomed the outcast, loved the unlovable, and by doing so taught us what the kingdom of heaven looks like. He suffered because the world knows too much of sin, and he was raised from the grave because you are stronger than all of it. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. (laughs) 
Spirit upon this bread and this cup, the gifts of this table, this feast that reminds us of our place in this life and the life to come. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our prayer. Pour out your Spirit upon your church, that we would live as your people. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, let us offer pardon. Where there is sadness, let us bear witness to joy. Where there is uncertainty, let us proclaim your truth. Where there is judgment, let us bring compassion. When people look at us, O God, may they see you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Pour out your spirit upon the world. Guide the footsteps of all those who lead. Inspire the minds of all those who hold power. And uphold all those who are subject to them. When you look at the world, O God, and you see us living up to the goodness you instilled in each one of us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Pour out your spirit upon those who are sick or suffering in body, mind, or spirit. We pray for Louis Rodriguez, Cash Dunlop, and John Weaver, and all those who love them and care for them. Bring healing and hope in swift order. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Pour out your spirit upon all who mourn. We pray for the families and friends of Barbara Torgerson, Alison Ramos, Marianne Agnes Cox. May they know the comfort of your presence and the truth of resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty and eternal God, your love is the surest and strongest thing in all of creation. Darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. There is nowhere we can escape your presence, and no way death can outmaneuver your love. In your infinite wisdom and compassion, you made us for relationship. You gave us to one another. Therefore, we give you thanks for the lives of all those who have gone before us, those who now sit at your table, where there is neither pain nor sorrow nor sighing, but life and life everlasting. Today we remember especially Pauline P. Alexander, Francis W. Bill Bailey, Jean Battaglia, Marilyn Byrne, Courtney Colombo, Wilhelmina Cowie, Martha and Joseph Dietrich, Joseph and Ada Eliza Dietzen, Joseph Nicholas Dietzen III, Katie Texter Farmer, Lucille V. Fields, Maxine E. Gilliland, Gordon and Lillian Hardy, Robert B. Haynes, Gretchen Gabelline Hall, Vincent Apolito, Rosemary S. Jones, James King, Debbie Kirkham, Allison Bailey McEachran, Rich McFessel, Patricia O'Connell, Virginia O'Neill, Madeline Parrish, Nancy Ann Perella, Craig Prince, Johnny Quaint, Frank Robinson, Morna Sheehy, Harvey Silverman, Joyce Tees, John Portman Trout Jr., Yutan Williams, Jerome Wine, and Claire Yatsevich. We remember these saints, O God, and give thanks that they are forever in your care and forever in your keeping. Lord, in your mercy, 
Hear our prayer. You have gathered these beloved ones up in your arms, and now you gather us together at your table, where we pray together with faith and hope the prayer your Son Jesus taught us. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this as my remembrance. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink this... Do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that every time, each and every time we share this bread and this cup, we proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. Once again, O God, you have welcomed us to your table and sustained us with your presence in this ordinary bread and cup. You have made us one with all who share this feast, those gathered at this table here in this place, those gathered around the world, and those gathered with you in all your glory in your heavenly realm. Nurtured by your presence and upheld by the communion of saints, send us out to be your body in this world, serving as you would serve and loving others as you love us. In Christ we pray. Amen. to do this if you have an extra minute or two to spare 
Stay for the postlude. It is amazing, and I'm going to tell you a secret. Andrew Henderson is playing part of it without his hands. Stay, I know you don't believe me, but it's true. He plays with just his feet for part of it. It will not sound like it. It will make your day. Whether you stay or whether you go, may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing and may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of light who has brought you this far already will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. Thank you.